0: The Daily Tap is live for Thursday. We have a great show today. We have a loaded show. Uh, We're going to talk about why Brian Gunacoust is not making moves to appease Aaron Rodgers. Rather, Brian Gunacoust is getting smarter. He's getting more seasoned. And we'll talk about that with the Whitney Merciless signing. We will also chat about Jordan Love and why I think maybe he might be on the trading trading block. Just a thought. Just going to throw something out there. We've talked about this before. But I, I think it's going to pick up steam here in the next couple of weeks as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline. Andy Haynes is out as the Brewers' pitching co- hitting coach. What does that mean? What should we look for going forward in terms of a hitting coach for the Brewers as they have not been able to connect that dot in the last few years? Then we'll talk about, do you feel better about the Braves losing to the Braves now because they're one win away from the World Series? And lastly, PJ Tucker, and Bobby Portis. A little bit of beef. We'll talk about that at the tail end of the show. If we get to it, we should get to it, though. Um, But like I said, big show today for a Thursday. Excited to talk to you guys. Rate, review, subscribe, please. It really means a lot to me. Uh, If you give me a five-star rating on Apple, get this thing a little more attention. Uh, Review it. We'd appreciate that, too. Um, I'm sure you're already subscribed, but if you're not, um, definitely subscribe, send it to a buddy who might like this, um, would Would love to have him uh, or her or any or any sort of pronoun that we are working with, all right? So all in on that, let's go, let's start talking some football. So Bay Packers signed Whitney Merciless today, one of the all-time greatest names in NFL history. Merciless, just perfect, right? He's an edge rusher. Merciless has not done much uh, in Houston this season. They're going with the youth m- movement He could be washed, but the Packers are bringing him in regardless. This is a continued trend for Green Bay as they brought in Jalen Smith. They brought in Russell Douglas. They brought in Quentin Dunbar. Now, Dunbar has been released. Um, so Kevin King is now probably gonna be healthy and they're, they're ready to go with what they have. I don't know if I would agree with that, but you have to clear roster space. David Bakhtiari off the IR. You're gonna have to start getting a little creative as guys come back, right? That's kind of just the way the NFL works. It's the same thing. It's a little different than minor leagues, but Green Bay is adding guys. And Mike Silver, who is a Aaron Rodgers apologist, I don't even know if him and Aaron Rodgers are close. They went to Cal together. There's a famous picture of Mike Silver kind of doing like a what the fuck motion to Aaron Rodgers after they lost the fail Mary game. He also was had a Ty Montgomery story that basically threw Ty Montgomery under the bus when he had that terrible fumble against the Los Angeles Rams Gosh, was that 2016 or 2017? I remember the game. I remember. I think it was 2017. I was I was living here at the time. I uh, was just starting to live with Morgan, so I I do think that was 2017 when Montgomery had that brutal fumble. Maybe it was 2018. But anyways, uh, Silver sold him on on the bus. But Mike Silver says this. The Packers keep signing accomplished linebackers in season, and it's almost like there's been some sort of shift in organizational thinking. Silver is obviously alluding to Aaron Rodgers potentially leaving. We've heard the last dance shit. We all know it. There are people that are still talking about Team X, Team Y. That could be perfect for Aaron Rodgers. Silver is obviously trying to lean into that storyline, but I think he's wrong. I, I really do. And now he mentioned linebackers. So I think he was mentioning Devondre Campbell. Now, Devondre Campbell was signed in the offseason, as Tom Silverstein pointed out. I don't think there has been any sort of shift in organizational thinking here. I think that Brian Gunekus is getting smarter and he's getting more savvy as he continues to develop in this role. This is not Brian Gunekus's first year. This is, what, year four, year five for Brian? And he's getting smarter at the job. And so where Brian is sort of leveling up here is instead of just getting fringe guys, which he's did a lot. Like if you look through like the Packer transactions, not that you'd ever would, you fucking nerd. But if you would, if you wanted to nerd out, like you could look through it and you would see so many, so many transactions. Like you would see a ton of them. And you'd be like, who's that guy? What's that guy? Did my dad do his resume last week? That would be a question I would ask. I don't know if your dad's doing resumes. But regardless, there are there always have been these guys. But the way that Brian Gunacoust is leveling this thing up is he's signing guys who have actually played meaningful snaps in the NFL. He is kind of taking it to another level. And that to me is a Really big shift and a really important shift to what the Green Bay Packers are doing because, in a lot of ways, these guys are all lottery tickets, right? They're not getting a ton of money. A guy like Jalen Smith is basically being paid by Jerry Jones, he's not being paid by the Green Bay Packers. If Jalen Smith ends up sucking, he did not have a good first game. But as we talked about on Monday, I'm not gonna judge a guy in 15 snaps. But if Jalen Smith continues to be trash, well, you can get rid of him. That's okay. Make room for the next guy. But if a guy like Rasul Douglas, who looked really good uh, last week, well, maybe Rasul Douglas is a dude. Maybe Rasul Douglas can take over that slot corner position that Shandon Sullivan was willing to give up to really anyone. And so then all of a sudden, you have kind of a legit secondary going when Jair Alexander is back healthy. And you can kind of bridge the gap from Jair's injury with Kevin King, with Douglas, with Eric Stokes, with Sullivan, with Gene Charles. Like you have enough guys. And that's probably why Dunbar was released today. And so, and again, to that point of like, yeah, you can, these guys will come and go and it's okay. There's been no shift it's just Brian Gunaku's getting smarter. And Brian Gunaku's seen what Tampa Bay did last year. Now, these aren't sexy guys. These aren't guys who everybody knows or who that, you know, Merciless, I think people know the name because it's a great name. He went to Illinois too, which I, I think stands out to some guys. Ron Zook guy, by the way. Um, but Merciless you know, again, is another fringe guy that Brian Gunacoust is just leveling up because he knows this team is good. He knows that there is a potential Super Bowl contender here. And so he wants to make sure that Green Bay is playing at their peak potential. And on top of that, Green Bay hasn't had this type of injury issues for the first three years of Matt LaFleur. This is the first year under Matt LaFleur that they've had real significant injury issues. So instead of the Ted Thompson philosophy, which Brian Gutekunst subscribes to, of sort of playing it out, letting your free agents, undrafted free agents, letting your rookies figure it out, they're actually adding dudes. So those who have been critical of Brian Gutekunst can take a fucking seat, all right? Like, you can just settle down. Like, I know that Mike Silver wants to kind of pump this chicken. He wants to get it going like, okay, this is Aaron Rodgers making all the moves. It's not. It's Brian who's A, recognizing that the team has injuries, that they cannot be put together by sticks, that they're playing together in a very competitive NFC, where right now there are four teams with five, or four? I think there's four with one loss. There's one with uh, that's undefeated. They need to win every game to keep pace. Now, I realize that's not sustainable, and there'll be matchups against those teams too, as we'll get Arizona Green Bay next Thursday night, which will be an absolute banger of a, of a football game. But at the same time, they need to keep doing stuff to keep their heads above water. And so Brian Gunacoust is making moves that are only going to help the team right now. And I think that is all you can ask for as a fan. Ted Thompson would be worried about the long game. It would be draft and develop. If a guy's playing a little early, that's okay. He would not kind of stick his neck out for guys. I don't think that Mike McCarthy or Ted had a relationship where they sold guys on Green Bay. I think there's a lot more selling going on. Look, Green Bay isn't a great place to live. We've talked about this before with Allen Robinson, which... Is one of my like triggers as a sports fan. I I actually that would be a great topic for Mitch and I to do one day. Just as a side, like the top five triggers, because there are things that I know trigger Mitch, like the Sixers, um, Carmelo Anthony. Um, It's a lot of basketball stuff for Mitch. There's baseball. I think the Cardinals trigger Mitch. Um, We we, him and I could talk about Phil Phil Rivers, another trigger for Mitch. Um, But yeah, I think we gotta do triggers one day because that. That would definitely be a, a great show, and just it would just be Mitch and I bitching about things we hate for hours. But anyways, I hate the Allen Robinson, the hand-wringing, oh, Allen Robinson, he's never played with a good quarterback. Dude had a chance to play for the fucking Packers, and Joe's living in Chicago. As most of us probably would if we had a job offer in Green Bay or Chicago, we're probably going to live in Chicago. It's just it's science sometimes, all right? So I, I never want to hear that with Allen Robinson. But back to the selling part, I do think Brian Gunacous and LaFleur are telling guys, like, hey, look, we are very close. We have a Super Bowl team. We have Aaron Rodgers. Like, we really want you to join our team, and here's why. And I think there's a lot more of that going on, and I, I love it. And I love that Green Bay is going out and getting dudes, and they're not being complacent. Green Bay could use an experienced pass rusher. Is, are they asking Whitney Merciless to play... 30 snaps? No, they're probably asking him 15 snaps. They're asking him to be in a rotation with Rashawn Gary, with Preston Smith if he's healthy. Hopefully that oblique injury isn't a big issue. Jonathan Spider-Garvin and just sort of rotating Ladarius Hamilton, who was lost on that red zone play this week. But like rotating guys in, that's that's what Green Bay wants to do on the edge. And yeah, if you can get something out of Marceless, fantastic. That's great. And if the guy is a trash ape, well, all right. You're going to have guys coming off the IR at some point. Hopefully Zedaria Smith will be back. I don't know. I think there's a lot of contract stuff going on with that. I think it's not just the back. I think there's so much more there that the Packers are basically holding in like red China. I think if we were in New York, I think if we were in LA, Dallas, I think we'd have a full story on that. But we don't because... It's what it is. And I would not be surprised if Zaria Smith gets traded on the second. I really wouldn't be. I think that's something to watch for. And I do think Jordan Love's on the trade block. I I have kind of baked this conspiracy. It's not even a conspiracy. I've just baked this theory kind of to completion. Like I kind of started it, I think a couple weeks ago. I don't know, was it maybe week three, week two? I started to make the batter. I started to you know prep it. I was adding maybe a little chocolate chips. And now it's in the oven and I'm turning on the heat because I think that this is going to happen. There are no good quarterbacks for the NFL draft next year. Malik Willis, probably the best one. He's going to get maybe drafted in the top 10 if he's lucky. Matt Corral, another Johnny Manziel, short quarterback. I think that Corral... There's going to be a lot of hesitation there. Sam Howell also short. I think there'll be a lot of Baker Mayfield comparisons with those two guys. And when you've seen what Baker's done, Baker's probably not going to get a contract uh, with Cleveland. Nor do I think, or nor do I think Cleveland should give him a contract. I think that that's your basically your quarterback draft. So when you look at that, there are going to be quarterback hungry teams like your Washingtons, like your Denver's, which would be very ironic, Pittsburgh that need a quarterback, that need a quarterback of the future. We've heard Deshaun Watson's name being mentioned with Miami, according to John McClain, who all the big J's call the general, which, fuck, I I hate journalists sometimes so fucking much. I was looking at quote tweets because, first of all, it's not not to completely tangent here again, but he posted on the Houston Chronicle you can't read the fucking article because you have to sign up for the paper. Great, awesome, awesome work, guys. And then I was reading some quote tweets to be like, oh, I get some snippets from the quote tweets? And then I think some guy's like, if the general's putting his neck out, this isn't wrong. Whatever, dude. I'm sure he's gotten some stuff wrong. Anyways, Sean Watson could be a, do- uh, could be a dolphin by the end of this week. They don't want Tua. So what does that mean? Well, Tua could get dealt to Washington. Tua could get dealt to Denver. Tua maybe could even get dealt to Pittsburgh. Remember, Pittsburgh and Miami did some trading with each other with the of Fitzpatrick deal. So that is right now on the table. What's to say the Packers don't get involved with Jordan Love? What's to say that, let's say Miami, or let's, I'm sorry, let's say Pittsburgh misses out on Tua. And they call up Kevin, I think it's Kevin Cosgrove. I think that's Kevin Kohler not Kevin Cosgrove, who's Kevin Cosgrove? I'm sure that that has to be somebody, Uh, but I would imagine they go and they say, hey Kev, Brian here. So I got Jordan Love, Um, Aaron's coming back. Um, We're reworking his deal. Don't keep it on the down low, but we need to move Jordan because it's just time. What do you think about Jordan as your quarterback of the future? We have utmost confidence in him. This guy easily could have been our next Rodgers, next Favre, but we just really think like Aaron's going to be here for another five years. So what do you think about love for Joe Hayden or, you know, a edge rusher, pick your poison, you know, someone that can make an immediate impact for the Steelers and throw me a fourth round pick. Wouldn't Pittsburgh do that? If Pittsburgh knows that this is not a good quarterback draft and Ben Roethlisberger looks completely washed and Dwayne Haskins has you know, obviously, you're taking a chance at a reclamation project, kind of what New Orleans did with Jameis, but I think at an extreme level, like Jameis, that's like a minor reclamation. Like Hoskins is a major rep- reclamation project, and we have no idea what what you get with De- with uh, not DeAndre, with Dwayne ha- Haskins. So, would they ready to take love? Would Denver? Would Washington? Would one of these teams who doesn't get Tua look at this and say, all right, we can get that? What, I mean, there was always the rumor about Bradley Chubb when the Aaron Rodgers trade. And it would be fucking ironic if they went one for one and traded Bradley Chubb for Jordan Love. I mean, wouldn't that be crazy? It, I mean, and doesn't that immediately help the Green Bay Packers, especially if Zadarius Smith's not going to be back this year? Why not? I just, you have to obviously have the buy in from Aaron Rodgers. And I'm playing maybe a little bit into that Soldier Field comment where he was like, this isn't my last time being here. I know I'm going to be back here. So we'll see. We'll see where that, we'll see where it goes. I just, I think Jordan Love's on the block. And I, I don't know if it'll get reported. I'm just, and I know nothing. I'm not reporting this myself. It's just how I'm sort of seeing the cards getting played here. All right, let's move on to some other stuff because we got a lot to talk about. Oh, real quick, we didn't mention a lot about the Washington Green Bay game. I think it's a perfect, it, it sums it up perfectly because I am terrified that this is gonna be a look ahead for the Green Bay Packers. I am absolutely scared out of my mind that Green Bay is gonna come out flat. They have Arizona on Thursday. It's a massive game. It's gonna be probably one of the bigger NFL games of the year thus far and green bay has to play a game four days before that now arizona same they have to play houston but i think you can walk out of bed five minutes before get your uniform on play houston and win by 20 so i don't i'm not worried about arizona and nor do i care but with the packers like washington's a team that's desperate like they're going to throw the kitchen sink at you so I'm a little nervous about it. I'm I've been nervous all week. I looked at this like there is I think a science to that Thursday night. Like you have that Thursday look ahead that happened. Browns lost or uh, Browns and Broncos lost. Now I don't think the Browns had that look ahead. I think Arizona was the bigger game. I think for the Browns it was just they're kind of going for the year from hell. The Broncos maybe a little bit of that, um, but. I think when it's a rivalry game, when it's a game that is going to matter in the national landscape, I think there's just a little more juice, and there's going to be a ton of juice for Packers Cardinals, and hopefully Green Bay doesn't trip on their deck. I'm very nervous of it though, so let's just let's hope and pray that they can uh, work that Washington washington defense although washington has a ton of injuries right now terry mclaren didn't practice some linemen didn't practice of a couple skill got antonio gibson i think is gonna be out so i mean that that could be just it might not even be close and it might just be walk washington's the walking wounded and the packers go and beat him by you know 15 or 20 points but that look ahead stuff is real man I know it's the NFL, I know they're not college kids, but that look-ahead stuff can be brutal with sports and happens often, more so with with college basketball, pro football, a little bit of pro football, and college football. Those are the three sports where the look-ahead is real. Moving on to the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers fire their hitting coach, Andy Haynes, He is now out of a job. He is not returning. Andy had a good relationship with the Brewers. He was there for two years. It seemed like Andy Haynes was going to be the guy to sort of fix what the Brewers had wrong offensively. Um, And that was sort of going to be the guy to take them to the next level. Now he had a weird COVID year um, where he didn't really maybe get to teach the way that he wanted to um, in year one, but there wasn't enough success in year two. They had sparks, they had moments where the offense got going, but it was never consistent. I think my biggest problem with Andy Haynes, and this was more last year, You can go back in the 2020 archives and hear me bitch about this, but he never had a plan. He never seemed to really know exactly what the fuck he was doing. And it always seemed like the same things were hindering the Brewers. And that there was never that adjustment. There, The adjustments weren't there. And I just, I had more problems than I had praises for Haynes. And I think that he never came out. It was it was like some games, the Brewers were first or second pitch swinging, just very aggressive going right at the pitcher. And other ones, they'd take their time. They'd take some walks, things like that. I think Andy Haynes probably, and this is me without knowing anything, probably tried to create the Brewers hitting identity by who they were facing versus the personalities. Versus talking to the guys and saying like, how do you want to hit? Like, do you want to be first and second pitch swinging? Are you a guy that takes more patience? Like, I think that's really important. I also think it's really important to know kind of the philosophy of the pitching coach. Like, how can... The offense help the pitchers. Can they take more walks? Give the pitchers more time? You know, are they connected? And I don't know if they really were last season. And the Brewers just have to find somebody who A, has a great hitting philosophy, B, can kind of be on the same page with the pitching staff, and C, figure out Christian Yelich. I think that's a part of this. I know Andy Haynes worked a lot with Christian Yelich, but I think they just think a new voice is needed. And so who that will be, I don't know. I don't know if it's someone that will be close to Yelich, try to get Yelich sort of going again, or it will be someone else who has more of a philosophy and understands like there are going to be changes game to game, week to week as as you go on. Because I don't necessarily think Andy Haynes did a lot of that, um, and it's... It's been a tough road for the Brewers, the hitting coaches. They really have not found their Derek Johnson or Chris Hook in the hitting category. And that's a real shame. And I know coaches like this come and go, but it's, you need a little bit of consistency and the Brewers just have not found it. So what, where they go, I'm not sure, but it's, it's going to be very interesting to see if the Brewers kind of change how they're approaching the plate. And just like a defensive coordinator in football, like we're going to have to give this hitting coach some time. Like he's going to at least have to get a month before I can start being mad at him. Um, just not Chili Davis. I don't know if Chili Davis is coaching anymore. Just not Chili Davis, um, please. Darnell Coles I saw got a job with Washington. I'm like, why? Why why are we giving Darnell Coles jobs? He, he's another one that's not that good. So they need to kind of find their guy. They need to find their Derrick Johnson, Chris Hook of hitting. And we'll see. And it's ironic that we're going through another coaching change in the hitting department as we have with defensive coordinators for the, Brewers, or the Packers. It's just maybe it's cyclical. Maybe it's just kind of part of how this all works. That if you don't have one for a couple of years, you've got to replace and find somebody new. But yeah, Haynes... It's too bad. I feel bad for a guy who loses a job always, but just didn't cut it. And I know Yelich will probably be sad. I think Garcia and Narvaez will be sad. He did a lot of great work with them, Um, but there just wasn't enough on the French. He didn't make the Brewers into a murderer's row. Did he improve Garcia and Narvaez? Absolutely. Did I'm I'm sure he had a hand in Colton Wong's leadoff homer approach? Probably. Did he have it helping out with Willie Adonis? Yeah. But still, there wasn't enough collective hitting that was taking place. It was just a few guys. As for the Braves and Dodgers series, the Braves have pushed the Dodgers to the brink. It is three to one. Uh, They have a chance to clinch tonight, actually, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit in the space chat we're gonna have after the Bucs game. And... I can't believe it. I'm very surprised by this. I There was, I think, it's tab in the keg two weeks ago. Or uh, maybe, even, yeah, two weeks ago when I, we were kind of licking our Brewers' wounds. I'm like, whoever wins between Dodgers and Braves are going to beat them in five. Joke is on me. Braves have looked like an absolute wagon. Um, and it's getting me to wonder, like, Would you rather, does this Brewers' loss in the NLDS look a lot better Or does it make you mad that the Dodgers might have been beatable? I can see both sides of the argument. I can see the fact that the Braves are playing so well that maybe they were just the team of destiny. Maybe they were the team that belonged in this World Series. They started out before this series started. They were 40-20 and since the All-Star break. We should have taken the Braves a lot more seriously, and we didn't. And to say like, oh, the Braves are an 88-win team. Well, yeah, sure. But they've, 40 and 20 over the last 60 games is no fucking slouch. And their offense just keeps coming. Eddie Rosario is playing out of his fucking mind right now. And so I look at that and that makes me feel better about myself. It just does. It will always, it will always make you feel better as a sports fan. If the team that you lost to blows the doors off somebody else, it makes you feel so much better. I've dealt with it a lot with the Green Bay Packers, right? Like, and there are situations where it doesn't work, even as a blowout. Like the Tampa Bay game, it it just made me feel like if Green Bay wins that game, they would have dominated Kansas City and they would have won the Super Bowl. That's what that one makes me think of. Um, The Seattle Super Bowl, when the New England Patriots and Malcolm Butler play, it's like, well, at least that didn't happen to the Packers. But also, they were basically beating New England most of that game. So Green Bay easily could have been there. Um, I don't ever want to be anywhere close to the 28-3 game. That never happened. But with the, and the, the Brewers 2018, um, when the Astros got in there, the Dodgers lost to a cheating Astros team that didn't need to cheat. They were extremely talented. But could you imagine how un- insufferable Brewers fans would be if they got cheated out of a title? Well, you know, uh, we should have a title in twenty eighteen, but those Astros—they cheated. Uh, yeah, so uh, we need to get another one. Uh, we'll, do, we'll do it the right. We Brewers—they always do it the right way, just like my bartender Steve Apruski's. They do it the right way, but yeah, so I am glad that it happened. So I think sometimes it's just fine to have the team who beat you just be a juggernaut in the playoffs. Even the Braves don't win the World Series, right? Let's just say it goes to the Astros or it goes to the Red Sox. Still, I'm perfectly fine with the Atlanta Braves making it to the World Series. It tells me the Brewers just were not at their level and the Braves were actually right in that 100-win 100 100 mix with the Giants and the Dodgers. And does it make you feel bad the Dodgers are vulnerable? A little bit. Um, not, not entirely, but just that. It would have been nice to beat up on the Dodgers. And I don't know if the Brewers would have, right? I don't know if the Brewers would be doing what the Braves are doing right now. Who knows? But still, it would have been a lot of fun because it's enjoyable to watch the Dodgers fall, just like it's enjoyable to watch Alabama fall, just like it's enjoyable to watch Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga might be at that level for college basketball. Just like it's enjoyable to watch LeBron fall on his face. You know, it's not being a hater, Tom Brady too. It's not being a hater. It's just more relishing in the moments when a someone who is wildly successful just is not anymore. So I like the Dodgers losing. I think that's always a good thing. Um, but we'll see if they're able to, to uh, hold on here and able to make this a series, bring it back to Atlanta um, in game five tonight. Last thing before I ride out of here, we have a little bit of NBA drama with P.J. Tucker and Bobby Portis. So P.J. Tucker talked to Miami Herald, basically saying, I'm still mad that I'm not with the Bucks. I'll be circling every game. Um, I'm not gonna talk about... What happened, yet I'm talking to the media, so that doesn't really make a ton of sense. I love P.J. Tucker, but I really don't understand why he's being such a spoiled sport. From all accounts, from everybody I have talked to, and I actually have this sourced, P.J. Tucker didn't like Milwaukee. P.J. Tucker said to people verbatim that if he got a job, if he got a job, if he got this role back with the Bucks. He would drive from Chicago to Milwaukee for practice each day. That's how much he didn't like this city. And I'm not critic. I'm not saying like you shouldn't dislike PJ Tucker because he he wasn't a huge fan of Milwaukee. He's not the first athlete. And PJ Tucker had a lot of fun partying, the We Are Dogs, everything else. All right. So I'm not gonna take any of that away from PJ Tucker. But the guy didn't really want to be here. It goes back to the Alan Robinson point we made earlier. P.J. Duggar didn't want to be here. I know this for a fact. I can report this. You want to aggregate this, which you won't because I'm not that successful of a podcast. But if you did, I would be like, go right fucking ahead. He didn't want to play here. So Bobby Portis rolling his eyes at him is exactly everything you need to know. Bobby Portis took two years 10 million dollars. Bobby Portis is basically playing for free this year. On the open market, Bobby Portis could have got three years, 35 million dollars. Instead, he's playing for two for 10 because next year he could get paid out and it could be great for Bobby. But he wants to be as close to a buck for life as Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday are. If Tucker did not, Tucker wanted to be a part of this. Tucker wanted to keep the dogs together. He would have taken a team-friendly deal. But I'll tell you this about P.J. Tucker, what he doesn't realize. They don't need him. Grayson Allen is a much better value at two years for $20 million. Semi-Ojule, when he's healthy, I think he can be P.J. tucker light. Like, if P.J. Tucker is Miller High Life, Semi can be Miller like. And I think he can get his way in front of guys. I think he can defend a little bit. He can hit the corner three. PJ's a lot of fun. I look forward to seeing him uh tonight. I look forward to him probably getting the ring. But that's it, man. After that, we're going to war. And I, I want to beat his ass and it'll be interesting to see if the Portis Tucker thing flares up on Bobby's back in the lineup because. I'm sure PJ Tucker has been briefed on the eye roll. Um, And I'm sure he's going to take a little exception to that. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a great Thursday. Rate, review, subscribe, follow us on all the socials, Tabbing the keg on Twitter, Tabbing the keg sports on everything else. Twitter, we have Twitter spaces. We're going to do it after Bucks Heat tonight. Um, I think I finally figured out how I'm going to do the Bucks. for those that care. Not a lot of you were on the Bucs net stream. I saw that, but that's okay. Um, we're going to do games against playoff teams, not fringe playoff teams, not teams that were in the play-in game. Teams one through eight last year on both sides, those games will get a space. And that's kind of a, the way forward here. They will get a space after the NFL season. After Green Bay has won the Super Bowl, then I think we'll we'll look at maybe changing. Maybe we'll we'll pick up the pace a little bit on these. But for now, we are just going to do uh, the playoff teams and, until the Packer season is over. And yes, we will have a Packer space. Don't worry about it. That's already in the works. All right, that does it for today. We're we'll back tomorrow. Box Heat Betting Preview. All there on Friday. All right. Take care, guys. Have a go. Bye.